0: Welcome to the City on a Hill podcast. City on a Hill is the young adult Catholic ministry in Kansas City. Our mission is to be the community that inspires and forms our generation to be saints. We hope that this episode can offer some inspiration to your life as well as give you a glimpse into our community.
1: Welcome back to another episode of the City on a Hill podcast, where we interview Catholic young adults in the Kansas City area and beyond.
0: You said that with more gusto today.
1: Yes. I'm excited. <laughs> Thanks so much for counting
2: me among them.
1: <laughs> Absolutely. Welcome. First of all, we're gonna skip you today, Dane. I usually introduce her first. Nope. Welcome, Marco. Thank Casanova. Great thank to you have so you. Thank you so much, Father. The
0: coolest Dane. name this side of the Mississippi.
1: <laughs> That's true. That's true. <laughs> when I go to restaurants, I'm, they're like,
2: What name? And I'm like, Casanova. And they're like, That's a lie. Yeah. <laughs> and
0: I'm like, no, I'm
2: not a creep. It really is my name. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. When what do you uh, do?
1: Yeah. yeah. Speaking of, yeah, when when Marco came in for the podcast today, Dane said we should turn on Justin Bieber's "Come On Intentions" Absolutely to welcome should. him into oh, the studio. Yeah. That's what I'm talking about. And Justin Bieber puts a pep in my step. <laughs> I had never heard that song until yesterday, and now I can't get it out of my head because I mean, it's
2: catchy. It is catchy. I mean, say what what you want. He's got some music that I'm like, yeah. dang, come on. It's good to be human. <laughs> I mean, I don't endorse everything Justin Bieber, I just wanna make that clear, but he's his some of his songs are pretty mm. dang good.
0: Well, and the reason that I needed we needed to play this for Marco when he comes in the yes. room today was because there was a a going-away party for his roommate, Jared, yeah. <laughs> who is going returning back to St. Louis. Mm-hmm. And this song comes on. And I didn't know it was just me, but I didn't know his intentions. I just knew it was catchy. And I look over and Marco is doing this little jive, (laughs) picks up a carrot, (laughs) eats a carrot, and it's smooth. And I just was transfixed, and then he picks up a piece of cheese, and then he's doing it, and it's like, wow, you can have rhythm and eat at the same time. That's right. This Come is on. Don't be
2: shy. You can. That's like you can make it work. Yeah. You know. You did when Marco. you're hungry and you got to dance.
1: It's like three of the most powerful forces in culture all at one time: eating, dancing, music. Done. That's you know? like. That's brilliant. That's a whirlwind of I like culture. Marco
0: Casanova. <laughs> <laughs>
2: sounds so exotic. I sound like a conquistador.
1: <laughs> <I
2: love it. laughs> oh man! Wait, I'm sorry. It was music, dancing, and what else? Eating, food, oh. food, man. I love all. Yeah, of the, that's like my life. Is it? Yes. Wow. I love good food. Just you know, one time I one one part of my life I had a um a desire to go to Paris and study cooking. Oh, wow. At the Cordon Bleu. Hmm. I never went. Is that like the greatest (laughs) greatest
1: culinary school in the world or something? I mean, it's like reputable. I don't really know in
2: comparison to like other culinary schools, but I'm like, who doesn't want to live in Paris? Yeah. (laughs) Right. Come on, church. That's amazing. And eat Cordon
1: Bleu And eat Cordon Bleu every day. (laughs) (laughs) I presume that's all they make there.
2: (laughs) It's got to be everything they eat. Oh, Oh, that's great. Love life.
1: Mm. Dude, anything interesting happen to you today? Mm, today, before we dive into your story,
2: yeah. Um, well, I, my boss uh, Andrew Kamiski, who's mm. um, I guess we'll we'll get to more of that, but he gave us half a day.
1: Oh wow! Sweet. It was huge. Great. I mean, <laughs>
2: not to sound mundane, but that yeah. was amazing. Just all
1: like unexpectedly. Unexpectedly, he came wow. to the
2: office. He's like, you know what? You guys just take half day. Sweet. I'm like, Jesus is alive and well.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Do you think he just like takes the temperature over like weeks at a time of like everybody. And then he's like, now i'm gonna pounce and exactly. give and give a gift yeah. that i, that I gift. think is needed yeah you
2: know? he's like this thermometer he's yeah like, oh yeah they need a half day nice and like morale's like <laughs> just like boost it up you know it's like, thank you jesus that's awesome wow. and then we were like you know what as a staff we're gonna order some thai food for lunch sweet like, why not might as well eat together Dude, it was great. Honestly, it did was you, a great day.
1: Did you dance together as well? <laughs> and listen to I did show them a couple songs that I really liked. Yeah. There's Amazing. this great French song that I just heard. It's kind of like this
2: French hipster song. I, I won't say the name of it because I don't know how to pronounce it, mm. but it is so fun. Wow. Yeah. I heard it on. So like there's this Netflix thing called Down to Earth. So my brother was talking about it. He's like, bro, you got to watch this. I don't really watch Netflix and I don't really watch series, but. He does, and Zac Efron went to Lord's France.
1: Oh, I heard about this. Yeah, yeah it was pretty interesting. Naturally,
2: yeah. Yeah. <laughs> naturally, naturally now. Zac yeah. Efron is now, you know, a patron of uh, Lord's France. But it was ah. pretty amazing. Yeah, he kind of studied just water from a pretty like molecular point of view, but also from a religious point of view. Hmm. And it was pretty fascinating. Yeah, and I heard the song on there. Nice. This is really a roundabout
1: way
0: <laughs> describing
2: <laughs> this song but yeah it was a great day full of french music thai cool. food and half days
1: wow cultural that's
0: and so,
1: so many cultural things happening at one life. time yeah. yeah cool well dude just uh lay out your your testimony for us what, yeah. the, what the lord has done for you in your life let's hear it man
2: well i i first i just i'm really honored to be here Dude, we're, like, we're honored to I'm have you, man. I'm really honored. I when I got the email from you, Dan, I thought, "Wow, this is this is such an honor <laughs> to like be with these honestly amazing people." I love Father Magdalene. I love Dave, Dave, Dane Finney, and I just felt like this is such a privilege for me to share what Jesus did for me, has done for me, mm-hmm. is doing for me. You know. So thank you. thank You're you so welcome.
0: And I can attest to his promptness, an immediate email back. Here's my (laughs) time slot. I'm in. (laughs) And then just a wonderful email. I left a voicemail saying, Marco, I know you know how to give your testimony. I know Mm. you do this for work all the time. There's a couple of practicals we want to hear from you, color in some lines. And uh, yeah, we're just excited to hear your story. And he calls back and he was like. The Lord sets captives free and I'm ready to talk. I'm just <laughs> pumped about this. And I was like, this is, I'm already excited, oh, you yeah. know? Oh, yeah. And so.
1: Dane's been telling me for two days. She's just like, I'm so excited for Marco to come on the podcast. <laughs> I can't wait.
0: So everyone else in the future, know to leave me a voicemail, how you're amped, and I'll just sing your praise. <laughs> it
1: was so hilarious because she
2: called me, and she left a message and said, okay, you need to call me back during this time because I'm going into adoration. <clears throat> Excuse me. And so I'm on the phone in the office and I work with evangelical Protestants along with Catholics. And I said, hey, say hello to Jesus for me and tell him that I love him. <laughs> so I get off the phone and they're like, did you just tell somebody to say hello to Jesus for you? <laughs> I was like, perfect Eucharistic plug in. Yeah.
0: On. Amazing. <laughs> nice. Yeah.
1: Nice, nice, but nice.
2: Anyway, I'm yeah. Marco Casanova. Uh, I come from um, a beautiful family in Houston, Texas, born and raised mm. outside of Houston called Kingwood. It's a really neat, neat suburb. Um, I have two siblings, Crystal, uh, married to Diego. My brother-in-law, love him. They have a beautiful child named Peter Luke. Mm. What a name. He's like a name of presence, man. And he's pretty present. (laughs) He's like a whirlwind, (laughs) but I love him. And then my brother, Noe, um, they both live in Houston. I'm kind of like the pilgrim of the family. Hmm. Um, When I was about 18 years old, I left Houston and went to Philadelphia and studied for... The Archdiocese of Philadelphia in the seminary there, St. Charles hmm. Borromeo. I loved it. I, I I, was a young whippersnapper, didn't really know much. I knew I knew the Lord, and uh, I wanted to do great things for him. So I decided to go to the seminary. Been wanting to be a priest since I was a kid. It was just kind oh. of like a part of my MO for hmm. so long, just hmm. a part of my the way I I operated. It's like, I'm, you know, I'm going to be a priest. Hmm. I'm just going to do it, you know? So, when high school came around, I thought, well, you know, I'm just going to do it. I'm just going to go. Of course, it's so not normal to not go to a seminary in your hometown, you know? Yeah. But I was kind of an inquisitive young guy. And I searched out this seminary. I'm like, I love it. Hmm. It's kind of orthodox and attractive traditionally. And I thought, I'm just going to do it. So, Cardinal Regali at the time gave me a chance. Gave this Texas boy a good old chance. Hmm. And one year of discernment turned into eight and a half. So it was amazing. Um, So why eight and a half? That sounds like, shouldn't you be a priest?
1: Great question. You got held back a couple years. (laughs) Exactly. Can you imagine? They're like Marco Casanova, you need to be held back. (laughs) This guy just can't figure out this darn philosophy. Exactly.
2: I can't get the Potter Noster down. (laughs) Oh my goodness. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> no, but so I, I came into the seminary <clears throat> with a lot of sexual addiction. Mm. And it was something that I thought, okay, I'm gonna come into the seminary and really mm. just give that up. Mm. I'm just gonna be a place for me to to surrender and start anew. But it really um it really wasn't that. Mm. <laughs> it really got worse. As a person who struggles with same sex attraction and sexual addiction in an all male environment, it yeah. was it was kind of a recipe for um, a deep surrender. Hmm. I needed to be known in this area, and I, but I didn't really know how to be known in this area. Hmm. I, di- I didn't have the language, or the experience, or the confidence hmm. to ever talk about it with anybody. Hmm. So I almost made a vow that I wouldn't. I just wouldn't talk about it. Hmm. Even my confessions were kind of clouded in this sort of esoteric way hmm. of confessing sin without the particularities of. Yeah. Oh no! I struggle in this particular way, and I need help. Mm. And granted, I I never went to confession with anybody that I knew or that mm. I looked anybody in the eye. You know, I just kind of went behind mm. the screen, um, confession hopping uh, around the city of Philadelphia. It's almost like a red flag right away. It's like, why are you trying to hide? What are you trying to hide from? Mm. When I got to the point about halfway through the seminary. Archbishop Chaput, who's a mentor of mine, I just, I really I really love that dude. Um, he's a yeah, he's great. He came to Philadelphia. We thought it was too good to be true. We're like, <laughs> whoa, this guy is just kind of like a culture warrior, loves <laughs> Jesus, and everybody knows it. Yeah. And uh, he came to Philadelphia, and he he instituted something called the Spirituality Year, which I was not about. <laughs> I'm like another year, bro. Like what? You're going to give us. <laughs> Year formation, but I met Jesus there. I met Jesus on that year. A- at the end of the year, we did a thirty-day silent retreat. Mm-hmm. And by by this time in in my seminary formation, my my sexual addiction got so out of hand that I was starting to act out with other people outside of the seminary community. Mm-hmm. Like I just I I lost myself. Mm-hmm. I didn't even know how to take those pieces back.
1: And you were would have been about twenty two at yeah, this time, just 23, about twenty three.
2: Until Jesus gave me an opportunity on this 30-day silent retreat, Mm. Um, Ignatius of Loyola, one of my heroes. About the third day in, I just felt like I couldn't be silent anymore Mm. because I had these secrets that were just like screaming for redemption. (laughs) And I'm like, I need to confess I need to confess all of this stuff. Even though it, they've all been confessed, yeah. I want to confess them again. I want to make a general confession of everything that I've ever done and just own up to it. Mm. And I did. I got the priest and I, I made a general confession. And he became my director on the 30-day. I, I made some shifts because I thought, man, this guy really knows my sin. Mm. He knows everything about me in a way. Um, so I want him to guide me yeah. and he did. And he really reform. Honestly, I had such a metanoia, like a, such a, um, a, a changing of mind and, and thinking and speaking. Mm. So like, I'd be in direction. I'd be like, yeah, when one masturbates or when one watches pornography and he's like, when I watch pornography, and I'm like, mm. crap, I'm so <laughs> detached mm. from what I've done. And mm. I need Jesus to, to connect my heart to my actions that mm. I regret and have so much shame around, you know. Mm. So the Lord really did a work on me in that in that fifth year in seminary. Mm. And and the subsequent years were pretty amazing. I mean, I felt I felt pretty, pretty bolstered in my mm. my own walk with the Lord, especially in purity. I felt like he gave me a lot of grace and in, in overcoming a really compulsive addiction, you know but i got to the to the cusp of diaconate ordination and, and in in the seminary world you have to petition the bishop to just mm. say that you're free you're a free man you're not doing it for any some you know crazy motives you know kind of a canonical form thing and i um i didn't do that i just thought i i'm not free in this area of my sexuality mm. really not i feel kind of under a low ceiling with the same sex attraction stuff i mean i'm not acting out on it like i was I'm, I'm, I'm doing pretty good in terms of being pure, but I still, I still feel shackled Hmm. in a way, you know? Yeah. So I talked to this priest, his name is Father Sean Kilcali, really amazing guy. Oh my gosh. What a, what a gift to the church. (laughs) And he recommended, he's like, yo, you should talk to this guy named Andrew Comiskey out in Kansas city. Hmm. And I'm like, I've heard of him. And I'll do that.
0: <laughs> I just might. You know, I'll,
2: I'll just do that. And I went to this living waters. They call it li- living waters. I went to this training out on the East Coast. And I really felt like Jesus just shattered this low ceiling I had of same-sex attraction over me. That I I didn't have to live under that. Mm. I didn't have to allow that to to call the shots in my life anymore. I'd have to disqualify myself from man woman relating because I had this, this struggle of same sex attraction. It's almost like Jesus was saying to me, who told you that Hmm. I don't, I don't say that to you. Hmm. I don't call you gay. (laughs) I call you Marco, call you male. That's who you are. Anatomically, biologically, spiritually. I thought, okay, okay, Lord, like I can, I can really allow you into this place. And when he came into that place of my sexual brokenness, I really feel like he he broke some sort of domination of homosexuality over me. Like he mm-hmm. broke the back of it. Like it doesn't it doesn't it's not my identity anymore. Even though I was never out of the closet, so to speak, as people say, I, I was living as if I was just gay, you know? Mm-hmm. And after that experience of the Holy Spirit on that week of living waters. Jesus really set me free from that. Does that doesn't mean I don't struggle? You know, um, there's still a residual struggle for sure, but it doesn't dominate. It just mm-hmm. doesn't. Um, just realizing the the truth of my God-given sexuality and the goodness of being a man in relation to woman is just liberating. So yeah, that's that's really what Jesus has done for me. I really I really feel. Even today, like speaking on the podcast, how important that is to say, especially today, it's a, it's, so, it's such a polarizing thing, you mm-hmm. know, it's so loaded. I was talking to a friend the other day and uh, I I shared with her my witness, my testimony. And she said, yeah, you know, same-sex attraction is so loaded today. Like it almost sounds like, well, if you're same-sex attracted, you just got to live a celibate life or mm-hmm. something. Mm-hmm. And she's like, we have to unload that. We just have to like unload that. Like that th- those are pre preconceived notions and that doesn't mean that okay maybe the lord is calling me to celibacy. Praise God. I mean to live totally for him. <laughs> that sounds amazing. <laughs> I mean that's what heaven is, right? But don't disqualify yourself from marriage just yet. The lord may do a work in you to liberate you mm-hmm. for something you never thought possible. Yeah. I think that's the essence of Christianity. God liberating us in areas that we need someone stronger than ourselves to do just that—to liberate us in ways that we never thought possible. So, I'm happy for that.
1: Yeah, dude. Yeah, thanks first of all for sharing that. That's uh, thanks, it's a, it, it's always admirable to see somebody just sort of, uh, especially to the to a general public audience, just sort mm-hmm. of share. Here's uh, here's where I've been <clears throat> broken in my life and <laughs> things that would would be considered kind of taboo by most of society to kind of just bring into the light like that. Mm. Um, so, thank you for that, first of all. And I, I want to press in a little bit because, as you mentioned there at the end, um, sort of this is a difficult topic to have a sort of calm conversation about <laughs> with, with people, um, particularly what you were kind of hinting at with this idea of of Jesus being able to set someone free to maybe take an intense level of same-sex attraction and reduce it even to the point where somebody could potentially become physically attracted to women mm. or if they're a, a woman struggling with same-sex attraction, mm-hmm. attracted to men and, and, and make them capable of a gift of self like that in, in marriage even, mm-hmm. in, in heterosexual marriage. And so um, for many people, of course, they hear that concept and they say, well, you're, you're suppressing who you really are. You're, you're denying what you've been given quote unquote at birth or whatever. And, and there's this, this whole idea that, um, it's, it's actually counterproductive and even harmful. You know, there's these places trying to pass laws against counselors, trying to help somebody who wants to like be free of (laughs) these attractions. So how do you, how do you, especially in the work that you do now, how do you have those conversations, how do you present this idea mm. of of this kind of freedom, right? Even if it's a, a very very gradual thing, sure. How do you present that idea as a possibility and without being, whatever offensive? Yeah, or, you know. Yeah,
2: no. That honestly, that is the question today for mm. sure. Mm. I think that's where the the quality and the and the importance of a witness, yeah, really comes in. Yeah. You know, with somebody who really does struggle with same sex attraction. Mm. And speaks of the liberation that Jesus brought them. There's a gravitas in that. There's a yeah. gravity in that that is really, um, really important in the argument. <laughs> you know, and and quite frankly, I'm just thinking practically. Listen yeah. to people. I, I have to listen to people. I have to not be so impassioned in a way that can be combative. Mm-hmm. You know. Mm-hmm. So the this past weekend, I had somebody. I was at a party uh, here in Kansas City for a guy going to the seminary. And this girl just does not like my view of of somebody setting free, Hmm. being set free in this area. Yeah. I don't know if she's a struggler. I don't really know. But, and she confronted me and it was, it was pretty combative. So I thought, okay, I have to calibrate in a way that is not combative. I think that's number one. Don't. We can't be co- too combative. Yeah. Now, there's some times where you have to be impassioned and be a prophet. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> But like at a party, I'm like, man, I just came for an IPA. <laughs>
1: <Hilarious>. <laughs> I came for some
2: space camper. You know what I mean? Hilarious. And, sh- and then I'm like, whoa, she wants me to to really press into how Jesus um, set me free. I don't really know if she wanted that in particular, but I thought that's what that's what this conversation needs. Hmm. So I thought I'm just going to be a witness. And tell her of if Jesus can't do that, yeah. if if the cross cannot set me free on the levels of my deep sexual brokenness, then it's an impotent, anorexic, burdensome message. Yeah. It really is. If the cross can't set people free, then what are we preaching? What what is what who is the Jesus that we're preaching? Yeah. You know, oh, it's kind of like, oh, just just kind of settle in that and yeah. you know, white knuckle through. It's like, no. Jesus came, I think he says it in Luke's gospel at the very beginning. It's like, this is why I came to yeah. set the captive free. So I, I, number one, I think a witness is important. N- don't be so combative, but also speak about the power of Jesus. Really defense yeah. of the Lord's power, yeah. you know? And of course, it is a process. You use that word. and I think it's really important. Mm-hmm. It's not like a once and done, like, I was gay and now I'm straight. <laughs> I don't even like that language. I think sexuality is much more dynamic. Mm -hmm. You know, it's like, no, I, I struggle with same sex attraction and I need Jesus. I need Jesus in that place. It almost comes to a point where thank you, Lord, for allowing this brokenness in me, because without it, I wouldn't know you on this deep level. Mm -hmm. I wouldn't, I wouldn't need you on this deep level. And Pope Benedict says, and Jesus of Nazareth, the essence of Christianity is healing the essence if you don't need to be healed from something in particular Mm. you probably don't need jesus (laughs) Mm. so if you're thinking i don't really know if i need healing in any area think about it (laughs) you may want to find that particular place Mm. it's like i i'm I'm, this is an obstacle for me i walk with a limp here Mm. that's what jesus came to save
1: yeah that's really yeah that's that's really beautiful what what would so if you if you if you tell somebody, like, this is why Jesus came. He came to, to sit captives free to bring healing. And then somebody rebuts and says, I think it's sort of a form of self-hatred to think that this is something that should be healed, mm. right? And, yeah. and they begin to go down this path of, like, why does this have to be a bad thing? Why does, why does same-sex attraction need healing? Right? Like, h- how do you then approach that conversation? Yeah, I mean, really, that that's the point where I
2: think the scriptures come in— um, in a huge way, just how the scriptures speak about homosexuality, mm-hmm. be it from Leviticus all the way to Romans, there's really some strong evidence of how this God of ours finds it dissonant with the life he's calling us to live.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: It it, it, it kind of stuns me. Like when I read the epistles of Paul and you imagine like this, this Gentile population in contrast to this judeo population <laughs> like it, it just doesn't seem like the jews really struggled with homosexuality in the ways that the pagans did mm-hmm. and now this church is on march opening it her doors to the pagan world mm-hmm. and they have to grapple with things like homosexuality so you see it named in, in Romans, and, and and I think it's important because once we open the doors from our kind of safe places, mm-hmm. we have to grapple with the mess of people's lives. Mm-hmm. And I, th- I just think that the Bible is really, honestly, it's really clear. Not to be sola scriptura, you know yeah, what I mean? Yeah. Not to say like, oh, okay, that's that's the only reason why. I also think there's just natural reasons why, you know, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, that are that are, I think, really equally important for yeah. sure. You know, the breakdown of the body. we um, can go to a lot of things, but yeah, just yeah. religiously, it seems like if we take the word of God seriously, God really cares about what we do with our bodies. And it's it's a reordering. Honestly, Christianity,
0: mm-hmm.
2: the gospel of Jesus, it's a reordering. It's really Paul going to the pagan world and saying, you have to give up that. That can stay you have to give up that that can stay head coverings don't worry about that who cares about that do that homosexuality turn away come come to this new order that jesus is is bringing because it liberates Mm -hmm. so yeah i mean it it is it is an interesting thing today especially because it's so Mm -hmm. it's so loaded it's so taboo but um simply put and not to sound so so to make it so trivial i think it really starts at, at at a surrender to jesus even for me like i i held on to my same-sex attraction
1: mm-hmm.
2: like there there's a part where it's like no i'm not giving that up <laughs> you know i'm not gonna give that up surrender it you know mm-hmm. the lord doesn't destroy us in that he he transforms us mm-hmm so, surrender on every level of our being, even our sexuality, even our maybe we've made the, the gay ideology an idol, you know? Mm-hmm. It's like, what if I give that up to Jesus in the church? What's going to happen? I think great things. Yeah.
0: The uh, just the imagery of you saying, like, holding on, like, for people that are listening in, his fists are clenched on top of one another, like you're mm-hmm. playing tug of war, you mm-hmm. know? And it made me think of the, um, from the c.s lewis the great divorce Mm. there's a chapter in particular about lust and i when i was a focus missionary i would it was just something that to talk to them about lust and to use the word lust was unattractive and a turnoff Mm. but to tell them to read them a story and um, there's a man in this particular chapter it's towards the end of the book and He's crippled by this little lizard that attaches itself to him, and oh, there's a an angel. It's a being in the book, but I sound like a B E A N. I sound like a jumping bean, so I'm going to say a little angel in the <laughs> in the story. It was always my my number one critique a of yeah. Man, I struggle with that word. Um, Ser humano. I wish I could have said it in Spanish. You know. Anyway, so to have the the angel come up to him and say, "Can I? Can I?" Can I take him away? Mm. And then once the the person struggling looks at the angel and says, yeah, you can take him. He goes, okay, I'm going to kill him. He goes, whoa, whoa, whoa. whoa, You never said anything about killing it. You you know you can't. And this whole time this little dragon thing is whispering into his ear or going latent and saying, no, he'll be good. Look, he's fine. He's fine. And this struggle, this tug of war of I'm going to hold on. I'm going to keep that on. I thought that this just elucidated – masterfully the Mm. struggle that we do internally until we're confronted with a person or this angel in the story that makes you dialogue and makes you get out of the narrative of your head, um, or your heart and realize the, the stronghold that it has on you, you know? And, um, if it's something that we experience shame in, which so often sexual sin and addiction does the, the amount of Shame that accompanies and like restriction and the defensiveness, the wall that goes up of mm. don't, how dare you, don't press in here. Mm. This is private, get out of here, um, is rampant. Right. And so to have that surrender to Jesus, that is the first step. Yeah, <laughs> it is. Or to surrender to someone who will ha- exercise compassion and listen to your story rather than reacting with the shame that you're feeling. already right to be that mirror and say thanks for sharing that and then it's like oh my gosh i lived but you think you're gonna die (laughs) yeah
2: amen (laughs) i mean
0: in anything that's shameful people think they're gonna die to say it out loud and so um the sacred ground that that is um yeah and of course jesus is gonna break through in that you know but if people think that i've told others i've i've tried to get help and nothing's happening where's jesus Hmm. He was in your friend that listened, hmm. and he's coming in a greater way. Um, yeah. It's just the way he works. He can't not heal, you know. He can't that. not yeah. move. But um, yeah, the great divorce. It's a chapter, maybe chapter twelve towards the end of it. But it's just something that
2: it's one of my favorite it, books.
0: Yeah, I, I mean, love to that. just to be able to enter into a fictional story that can relate to the heart that you might have if that's your struggle is. It makes it less scary. Yeah. And then the dragon gets flung across the room, gets hits a rock, and then grows into a larger creature, grows into mm. a horse. And you think – and he says, um, the glossy buttocks. It makes everybody <laughs> laugh every time. And gets That's bigger. Great. and the, But the human gets bigger, too, and gets yeah. this strength and actually rides this horse off to paradise. I
2: love that. It becomes a conduit to go to the heights, Amen. That's amazing. Yeah, your brokenness. Jesus turns it around. As you were talking, I thought of like divine mercy. That we're here at Good Counsel and the Shrine of Divine Mercy, which is amazing. <laughs> I love that. Um, divine Mercy is just messy. Like you have this God man on a cross and his heart is slaughtered open. And you have these body fluids coming out, blood and water. And that's the place. That's the place the precise place that we receive salvation. Mm -hmm. Like we can come with our messy lives, even with doubts to say, Jesus, I don't really know if you can transform me on the level of my sexual divides. That's okay. Come, come to the cross, come to divine mercy. We'll stand with you. I'll stand with you. (laughs) My ministry will stand with you. Come, no shame. But just come. You have to. You have to experience this blood and water, this heart that's forever beating for you, mm-hmm. in in this messy salvific scene. Mm-hmm. Jesus is ready to welcome you. Yeah, come, come. Why not?
1: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I love that. It sounds. It sounds like what you're, what you're saying, Marco, is like. So this whole idea of like um, being set free. Mm. It seems like they're a bunch of layers of that Mm. and i i think maybe it's important to distinguish for the listeners that when you're describing being set free a a narrow understanding of that would would simply be like losing altogether like physical attractions to people of the same sex yeah like because i feel like some people may be listening in and thinking to themselves that's what he's talking when he's talking about being set free what he means is like no more same-sex attraction. So right. some people listening who struggle with that, they want to be free of that. Other people who maybe struggle with that don't see it as a problem, yeah. want to embrace it. But but what you're really describing is something much deeper mm. of the Lord can set someone free, and maybe they continue to have same-sex attractions uh, until they die right. to, to some right. level. Yeah. But what you're saying is that if they surrender to the Lord, He'll, he'll set them free from fill in the blank for us
2: yeah no that's mm. good i think he sets them free he sets me free from this domination of homosexuality mm. for more yeah just for more because if i'm if i'm still under this domination i'm not going to think of the possibility of getting married mm-hmm. of having a family what if that's the lord's plan for me mm-hmm. you know i think it's important to look at now of course I, I really I, I like I like what you're saying because you, you do have to you have to give some space for the struggle. I think it's important. Yeah. You know? Just because you have a same sex attracted thought, like, okay, come to Jesus. Like, no shame. <laughs> yeah. Don't be shamed. Yeah. The church Jesus doesn't shame us when that when that comes up. Nor does that mean that you're not free, you know. But there I think there's a there's a distinction Breaking the back of that stronghold, yeah. I think, is what Jesus comes to do. Yeah. Now, when, when the thought comes back or the attraction comes back, okay, yeah. come to this divine mercy. Yeah. I think of Faustina when she wrote this this message of mercy, the divine mercy in my soul. She speaks of this amazing story of she gets up in the morning and she says, okay, I'm not going to commit that particular sin today. She never says what sin it is, but I can relate to it because I'm like, I've done that so many times. <laughs> like, I'm not going to do that today. And come noon, it's like, dang it, I think I did it. So she goes to the Lord. She she did the same. She, she realized halfway through the day, I committed that sin I told myself I wasn't going to do. So she goes to Jesus, and Jesus speaks to her and says, if you wouldn't have sinned, you wouldn't have come to me. Hmm. It's kind of like this really hmm. on its head understanding of mercy, how our sins become ways to Jesus. Yeah. You know? So yes, Jesus can indeed break the back, break the stronghold of homosexuality. When the thoughts come back, there the attractions are there residually. I like to use that residual attractions. You know, mm-hmm. yeah. it's not at the essence of my being, but they're there. They're there residually. Come Lord. Well Lord, I'm I'm going there again. I need your mercy. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I went there again, Lord. I need your mercy. But I really do believe that the power of Jesus breaks something really really powerful over he broke something really powerful over me yeah that was dictating my life. And I wanted Jesus to define that. I wanted Jesus to define my destiny, not a brokenness. Mm -hmm.
0: And that language lets someone that you're dialoguing with, if they have the ears to hear it, it warrants a dialogue. Right. Now, if it's just a term that's used and there's, it's not a mutual understanding of what the term is mm-hmm. because there's levels of what the pronouns that you can use, right, right. or the way you identify yourself, um, I don't understand those in a conversation. I need mm-hmm. someone to define those for me that likely on the other side of that too is if I've never heard someone talk about a homosexual attraction, I've only just heard him refer to it as gay. Mm. When you're even saying it in that way, I go, what does that mean? And then then there's a dialogue of of some greater traction. Mm. And rather than just identifying with a group that claims to be gay, I can actually identify with, with Marco, who's telling me a story. And I can say, okay, actually, I'm not letting sexual behavior dictate my path Mm. huh that's a very that's as father was saying a deeper understanding of freedom it's a deeper understanding of the struggle too yeah um when those words are used to articulate um and the breaking the stronghold or the the domination of what that is if for any sin for any behavior if it comprises every action that you have yeah that's not the fullness it's an obsession, right, right. <laughs> you know, and to have the the clarity of mind to just um, have a break from what it was that used to dominate you. Yeah. Um, whether that's you played professional sports and you're no longer playing professional sports, yeah, your mind's clearer. You sobered up a little bit, yeah, right. And yeah. that's not a sin. It's just you got into a different world. Right. Um. You said the low ceiling of. I'm, I'm struggling with same sex attraction and that's gone. You're like, Holy cow, I can stand up. There's yeah. a whole different world up here.
2: Yeah. No, Who like- even
0: knew I could think about my studies in the same degree that I did, <laughs> you know? And that gives yeah. an excitement to class because totally. I think you were still at school,
2: but. Or even like dating, like, uh, so I never thought like in the seminary that I'd ever date, you know, cause I just yeah. thought like, okay, I'm not really, I don't know. I'm just not, I'm not made for that. You know, <laughs> so leaving the seminary just kind of un- it liberated me to do that. And, um, it's like written in me It's the best way I can describe it. You know, now will I get married. I don't know. I just hold that be- lightly before the Lord saying like, Lord, I, I want to do what you want. Mm-hmm. But, um, it's not like a suppression. It's really a, it's really a living in a way mm-hmm. for me. It just seems refreshing it's like wow this is like written in my bones now of course there's like there's some things i'm talking to my friends like dude i don't know how to do this or that (laughs) can you help a brother out you know but like the essence of it courting a woman the attraction to her it's written in it it's written in us Mm -hmm. I, i believe that i mean i believe the genesis understanding of no don't don't exempt yourself from eden because of brokenness you're welcomed in this garden you are welcomed here. You're made mm. for it. And in fact, it is it is in this garden or a similar garden that somebody will die for you. Mm. Like we have to be in that garden. And to be in it is really liberating, I have to say. So yeah, you may be at a place, some some listeners may be at a place where I, I would never think about dating the opposite gender. No shame. Don't be shamed. Give it to Jesus. He'll lead where he wants you to go. Uh-huh. I think that's the best way to put it
1: yeah marco what, what would you say to I'm, I'm thinking in particular of people who are you know just they just don't believe that mm-hmm. there's anything wrong with same-sex uh actions and a lifestyle and and being married to a person of the same sex and so on um and we're, we're talking a lot here about being free of something that may might dominate their life or whatever. And, you know, I've I've run into plenty of people, um, you know, maybe they're civilly married to somebody of the same sex or whatever. And they say like, this doesn't dominate my life. Mm. Like I'm, I feel free. Like I've, I've chosen this person. Um, we're committed to each other, blah, blah, blah. Like I have other interests. Like I don't define myself solely by what I'm attracted to or who I'm attracted to sexually. Um, That's true,
0: Father. That is the like, experience of many.
1: Like, how do you, how do you dialogue with somebody like that um, in that position where they're not, they're not necessarily, at least from an outside perspective, they don't seem necessarily to have any like sexual addictions, for example. Sure, they're yeah. not hitting the, the clubs like every other night or mm-hmm. finding you know hooking up with random people, you know, 100, 100 times a year, whatever it might be, like how do you dialogue with someone in that particular who maybe says kind of like you hinted at this at the beginning, like I don't feel like there's anything that needs to be healed right. in me. Yeah. Um, how, how do you, <laughs> how do you even begin that conversation? No,
2: I, I think um, that's important. That's an important question, especially when our world is becoming increasingly um, accommodating yeah. to, to the LGBT ideology or movement, you know, and really amazing people, honestly, <laughs> like, I go to Starbucks or I go to Sava here in Westport, you know, and people who are, from my observation, living the lifestyle or transitioning, you know, um, love them. I think you love them, you know. Now, of course, when it comes to my understanding of the human person, my anthropology, my understanding of, of the church and my understanding of what Jesus brought that's where I think a lot of maybe the divides will come, you know? Mm-hmm. Like I think Jesus brought something particular for humanity and it, it's, it's, it's a demand on our sexuality, you know? Now with the people who are maybe numb to it or just honestly, like don't even care yeah. how you dialogue. I, I think you, you just see where it goes, you know? I, I think, don't, don't be so heavy handed, <laughs> <True. laughs> you yeah, know, yeah. don't be so religious in a bad way. Yeah. Don't be Pharisaic, <laughs> you know, like, you know, read this Levitical, you know, it's like, okay, well, can you just like, ask me, like, ask me my name, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you know, right. tell me about your life. I think even that's again, not to be a dead horse, but that's where the witness comes in to say, I, I find freedom here, Yeah. you know? But I, I, think, I mean, I love being human. I'll be honest. I love being human, and I love meeting humans, even in their peculiarities. You know, mm-hmm. so I have, I have so, um, I have so much space for people. But when it becomes combative, you mm-hmm. know, I think, yeah. I think that's something that we have to be aware of. You know, right? Um, if you're proclaiming the gospel, and you're not making enemies think about it. You know, if it's if it's not making people look at their life and saying, oh, I'm not living that. I look at John the Baptist, the Christ himself. It's like, whoa, they made some enemies, even in their divine finesse. <laughs> Jesus did it perfectly, but yet people sought to kill him. Yes, I want to have space for people who just want maybe to remain in their what we would call divides in their sin. Like I I want to be cordial, but I also want, I don't want that to put a wet blanket on the fire of the truth. I believe to be liberating.
1: Mm -hmm. Does that make sense? Yeah. So it sounds like you're, you're basically saying like, uh, just sort of don't, don't be shy about proclaiming even the very direct truth that like, look, I don't think, um, I don't think being married to this person, I don't think living this lifestyle is gonna it's gonna make you happy. Like, yeah, Jesus wants something more for you—a diff- a different kind of happiness and fulfillment. Um, at the same time, I'll I'll hang out with you and I'll talk about whatever you want to talk about. Exactly, and, I, and I'm interested in you. Like, I want to know what you like. I want to know what you enjoy doing. I, tell me about tell me about you. Right? Is that kind of
2: I think that's important. Yeah. You know? Um, but I, I also yeah I. I think it's, that's where it's important to be a witness. You know, like, of course, we have amazing clinicians or, you know, religious leaders who who stand with us in this understanding of, of sexuality, but this is where the witness really becomes, yeah. like they become the salt of the earth, you yeah. know? It's like, you, know, you. the last thing someone wants is a clinician saying, well, this is where you're maladaptive behaviors with your father it's like okay that is not a conversation over a beer you know yeah. <laughs> maybe uh maybe it is i don't know but uh that's where it's yeah it could be very simple and, and kind of earthy hmm. to say like hey i i want to hang out with you you know get to know you bring some friends come over you know come over to mark sappington's house we'll have a beer or something <laughs> um and then in a very subtle way and in a respectful way of their story to say, this is how Jesus met me. I just feel like I, I should share that with you. Yeah. And even like, I want to bless you. Like, even blessing people, I think is important to kind of go out on a limb and say like, and pray for them and say, Lord, how can I bless them? Of course, the father always wants to bless everybody. <laughs> you know, it's like his MO. Yeah. You know, like if, yeah. if we ask the father for good things, he's not going to give us a scorpion. Like, he's going to give us some pretty good stuff. Um, mm-hmm. so I think, okay, that, that girl at Starbucks that is seemingly transitioning, mm-hmm. Lord, how, what, what can I say to her that would bless her? You know, her better than me, but I want to love her and I don't want to be heavy handed, but I want to love her. So I, I think to be, uh, unafraid to be little prophets, <laughs> you know, like not only, can I read you the catechetical definition of homosexuality? It's like, oh my gosh. <laughs> like that probably isn't the best place to start. Yeah. But yeah. uh maybe, hey, I, I got this word for you that the Lord really loves you. That's not trite. I think that's real. And that could really be an open door for people. Mm-hmm.
0: And that's the that's the purpose of a prophecy, actually to dilate the heart. Yeah. So that way you can you can build rapport. Yeah. And it's not so that way you can tell them your message false. It's so that you can tell them the message of God's love for them. Exactly. And but if if each listener on this podcast starts to think every single person I see that's transitioning I have to talk to you, and that's my default. <laughs> right, and here we go. Right. Well, yeah, it's going to get dicey. Yeah. Cuz that's not anyone's mission full time.
2: Right. Exactly. <laughs> like,
0: but but we can be so black and white about this stuff yeah and lose that humanity
2: yeah i agree um, and so
0: just actually praying for them isn't just a step in the process it's actually how we cultivate a heart like the father for brothers and sisters and
2: amen i think it's a part <clears> of the <throat> essence of what a christian is when the catechism says the church boldly proclaims that we're baptized as priest prophet and king you know and no one ever, never we never know what to do with the whole prophetic thing it's like what do i do with that like do I just read Isaiah and, you know? It counts. Like, and yeah, then it, Jeremiah it the next yeah, day. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> but it's like, no, speak on behalf of God. I think that's what prophet and prophet say, to speak on behalf of God or speak on behalf of. I think it's important to exercise that in just simple ways, simple ways of love, you know? Like, it can kind of be normal. <laughs> don't be so weird about it, you know? Uh, but, um, yeah, I don't know. I think... I think that could really affirm people in the reality of their being. Yeah. You know, it can affirm, it's affirmed me in the reality of my masculinity Mm -hmm. when somebody blesses me and says, Marco, you're like a, you're a strong man. Wow. That from, from somebody who's sincere, that can, that can do some major shifts in somebody who struggles with their masculinity, Mm -hmm. you know? Don't be afraid to affirm the reality of people's beings. Yeah. It's at the essence of what we're called to do.
0: Yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah. yeah. Can you um, share maybe one of one of two things, Marco? W- one would just be a little bit more about the specific work of desert streams um, or, or maybe both of these things. Maybe like obviously protecting layers of confidentiality and so on like – any sort of story of redemption that you've seen just in the, you've been with Desert Streams now for about a year and a half, year and a half. So any, any story that's, yeah, that that particularly comes to mind.
2: Sure. Yeah. So yeah, I work for a ministry here in Kansas city called Desert Stream Ministries. And um, it's an initiative that started in California by this uh, wonderful couple named Andrew and Annette Comiskey. Uh, Andrew um, is it was a man who struggled with same-sex attraction, really found liberation in that, and is now a grandpa, you know. But in in that whole process, in 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 really um, coming under a kind of a giant in the evangelical world named John Wimber, um, but even mm-hmm. before then, really encountering the power of the Spirit of Jesus, especially in the areas of sexual brokenness and sexual divides, he found that that doesn't have to be doesn't have to be the end of his story yeah. that Jesus has more for people who struggle he just simply does and so he started this ministry desert stream 40 years ago this year hmm. and has wow. been walking with people who struggle with various divides at the beginning it was very much very much focused on people who struggle with same-sex attraction. You can imagine in LA, mm-hmm. you 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 get some pretty honestly famous people who struggle with their sexuality, who found liberation, mm. <laughs> who really found Jesus. Yeah. This was a place where they encountered the living God, um and they started walking as a disciple. They started to smell like this Jesus <laughs> and bringing others Praise into <laughs> into this living water. That's that's pretty refreshing. And so, uh Andrew and Annette um Fast forward a few years, moved out here to Kansas City uh, to to kind of partner in a way uh, with Mike Bickle and IHOP mm-hmm. at the International House of Prayer. Uh, and it was there that they really they really found a covering with them. And um, then they, they we have our offices now in Grandview, Missouri. We're no longer kind of under the, the umbrella of IHOP, so to speak. Um, and Andrew has since become a Catholic. Hmm. So he converted to Catholicism a few years ago. And it has a really, really a heart for bringing this work into Mother Church in a, in a powerful way. Um, he, he's a good mentor of mine, really. His conversion just helps me to love Jesus more, especially in the Eucharist. The guy's on fire. <laughs> he's a prophet in a way. And he's probably the man of, of the utmost integrity. I've never met with anybody mm. with, with more integrity than mm. Andrew Comiskey um just being so faithful so many years there have been many movements in the evangelical world of kind of ex-gay ministries i don't really like that language but that's what people call it what does that mean uh sort of people leaving homosexuality for for, i understand you know ex-gay so to speak huh okay and a lot of them have failed a lot of them have gone back Hmm. to the lifestyle you know um but andrew comiskey's been faithful he's been really faithful to say like no i i Okay, if you feel if you feel a little hiccup here and there, come to this Jesus. Honestly, this mercy bolsters this church. It's only within the context of the church that we can get healing. She's mother for us, and she restores us back to integrity and wholeness. So uh, I work there now. <laughs> I became I, I, I'm I'm an I was an intern at the beginning for about six months, and now I'm the assistant director. Of Desert Stream. So, um, really an amazing work, evangelical and, uh, and Catholic. Uh, kind of two things that really bolster our work is one theology of the body. So, John Paul II and his understanding of the human person. Yeah. And Faustina, you know, this message of mercy. <laughs> so, it's kind of cool. Like, we'll go to the Philippines. Most of the Filipinos who are in living waters aren't Catholic, they're evangelical. Interesting. But when we go, we put up this huge divine mercy. We're quoting John Paul II. It's honestly ecumenism at its best. I've never seen better ecumenism. This sort of bridging of the two divides, (laughs) um, level ground of Calvary, (laughs) where we can kind of come with our sexual divides. It's it's pretty amazing. Now a glory story. Yeah, that's a good question. Um, We see them often, honestly, (laughs) and they're um, so. At the end, Living Waters is a twenty week um encounter with the lord we're starting one here good counsel pretty excited about that and uh there's one at Thomas Moore if anybody wants to join a group you just hit me up you know but i think my favorite part of the group is the last night people stand up and they they tell of what jesus did for them mm. and uh there's this one guy who who got up this this past uh, at a group that i was in and um he said you know i I've been doing a lot of things. I've been going to daily mass. I've been praying the rosary. Um, I've been doing spiritual reading. But at the end of living waters, I realize that I don't really know Jesus. Hmm. But he's like, for me, that's good news because now I get to, I get to know him. Hmm. I can get to know him. He doesn't struggle with same sex attraction. Um, to me, that's miraculous. Yeah. I think that that simple change of mind is actually miraculous. That's that's yeah. actually a miracle. It, I mean, of course, do people get healed physically and and sexually? Absolutely. But even that small, I came to realize that I don't even know this Jesus, mm-hmm. but I have such horizons to encounter Him.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: That is, that's a miracle. So yeah, it, it it could be simple. Of course, now we're not we're not so focused on the same sex attraction. Um, like in other words people it's not just for people who struggle with same-sex attraction it's more broad stroked Mm -hmm. chastity you know yeah (laughs) come one come all people want more jesus in a particular area of sexual and relational brokenness come to living waters so yeah the the story and i I mean i would say the story of andrew comiskey is miraculous there's countless other people um Mm -hmm. Uh, I would say that this past weekend we had this 40th anniversary hmm. and people came from all over the country. Hopefully the, we were hoping for the world, but coronavirus kind of yeah. put a little bit of a, yeah. of a stop to that. But we had some um, amazing, amazing speakers to speak of the liberation that hmm. they really received hmm. from the Lord. Elizabeth Wanning. From Bethel. People know Bethel because of their music. Mm. Uh Bethel music is kind of pretty amazing. Love that. But she came out, she's in charge of what's called the quip to love, and she's now married, but really really told her story of how Jesus set her free mm. from the domination of homosexuality. Um, another woman named Ann Polk, who mm. um heads the evangelical movement called Restored Hope Network. Again, um mm. a- another another witness to how Jesus sets people free. Mm. So they're out there. Well, they're they're out there. They're not the most popular people, I'll be honest. Yeah. It kind of reminds me in John's gospel when Lazarus is brought back to life. Hmm. They wanted to kill him. <laughs> yeah.
1: <laughs> because yeah. um yeah. his
2: witness yeah. smelled too much of Jesus. Yeah. And they're like we wanted to kill Jesus, but now you're spreading his his name too. Yeah. And these people are honestly, they're 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 people who have been brought back to life.
1: Yeah. And uh I commend them
0: hmm
1: yeah dude <laughs> this has been great any any last uh i don't know thoughts on this or anything else any mm-hmm. anything you want to share
2: yeah i would just say wherever you're at to our listeners don't be afraid of what jesus can do don't be shamed come to the cross you have people that will come with you and stand with you. And Jesus, I I have faith for this. I have faith that he can set you free. I just do.
1: Amen. Dude. Thanks, Marco. Thank you, Father, Thank for you coming Dave. on. Thank yeah. you so much. Man. Such yeah. an honor. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you for tuning in. Um, yeah. If you want more info on uh, Desert Streams in particular, we'll probably put a link somewhere near this uh mm-hmm episode and you can check it out and maybe even marco's email Yeah, totally. <laughs> if you want to email him about getting plugged in with a group or something but um but yeah i say a prayer for for desert streams and all, all the good work they do um to help people find healing in the lord um and uh yeah we'll see you next time on the city on a hill podcast bye-bye now
0: episode. Thanks for tuning in. Consider subscribing to our channel so that you never miss a future episode. And check out our website, kansascityonahill.org, to see more about our organization or to see our calendar of upcoming events. And if City on a Hill has been a gift to you, consider partnering in our mission as a monthly donor. See you next week.